Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I had a question for you this morning as we get into the message. Not really a question, but a statement. Is that Christmas is kind of a big deal in Finland. Bet you didn't expect that, did you? But it's true. I was, I was looking... At, at something that happens in Finland, Finland. There's, there's this tradition that happens every single year. In fact, it's happened almost every year since the 1300s. So we're talking over 700 years that they practiced. It's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. Has anyone heard of this? No, none of us. The Declaration of Christmas Peace. Each year at noon on Christmas Eve, Christmas Peace is declared in the city of Turku. And what they do is they read this proclamation. It's usually by a city official, and it's from the balcony of a historic mansion at the center of uh, what they call the Old Great Square. It's broadcast on radio. It's broadcast on TV. And now, of course, with the dawn of Internet, they live stream this thing. So this is a big deal. And, And it's interesting because the declaration serves as a reminder and encouragement to spend the holiday in harmony. Wouldn't that be nice? But this is a national thing. We want you to spend the holiday in harmony. But what's interesting is it also threatens offenders with harsh punishments. I'm like, what? But they also want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And I want to read the proclamation. I want to put it up on the screen for you today. This is is interesting. It says, Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. Say, Hallelujah. And thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Oh, and by the way, finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. <laughs> I mean, when I read that, I literally laughed out loud. When I was reading it again this morning, I laughed out loud. I thought, wow, like sandwiched into this, this beauty time is like, um, you better not mess with our Christmas peace or you will be dealt with harshly. Now, I don't know if I'd say it quite the same way, but I think it's really interesting to me and a beautiful thing that a country will on purpose say, listen, I, I know all year we have conflict, we have indifference, we have issue, but listen, tomorrow I want to have harmony as a, as a nation. I, I want to have this, this peace and goodwill toward men. Isn't that beautiful? What a great way to usher in Christmas. Now, again, I don't, I don't know about all the lingo there. It's kind of funny to me, but... They're reminding us of Christ's coming and the peace that he brings to this world. And if you've been with us on the journey over the last week, we we started a new series. And we've been celebrating Advent. Say Advent. Now, again, a quick recap. Advent means coming or arrival. It's a season that's marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, longing. Now, in this time of Christ's coming, there was a great anticipation. We talked about this last week, didn't we? Of this Messiah, this, this arrival of Messiah. And they have been waiting for thousands and thousands of years. And we talked about the fact that Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season 
really that links the past, the present, and the future. It offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of Messiah, to celebrate the birth of Christ. And also, if we think about now and into the future, to be alert on how God moves in the present. I want to know God's alive today. I mean, since the resurrection, I mean, new creation has been bursting forth. And I think sometimes we can lose that. And so what we're doing each week is we're focusing on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. We're looking at hope and peace. We're looking at joy and love. And last week, if you weren't here, we looked at hope. Hope in the midst of uncertainty. And, you know, it's kind of an odd thing, but when I speak, it's not just trying to tell people what to do or how they should think or how they should act. It's always to get you to think on your own. I want you to think. I want you to ask questions. But I know for me, I was blessed last week in my prep and my study time and even sharing. It just reminded me that there's hope. And so from the hope, we can move to peace because each of these traits leads us, I believe, into the rediscovery of Christmas. And so our series is called Rediscover Christmas. And I'm glad that you're here with us today because we're going to rediscover peace. Say peace. peace. Finding peace in our struggles. Each week, we're looking at different Bible characters of the Christmas story. And when we think of peace embodied in the Christmas story, we can't help but think of the shepherds. In, in the story, in the Gospel of Luke, there's something that happens here. They were the recipients of God's message of peace. They really were. And I want to read this account together. It's such a beautiful, almost poetic passage of Scripture. And maybe that's especially true for those of us who grew up watching Linus. Anyone familiar with uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? I mean, as cheesy as you might think it is, for those of us who grew up on that, it was such a big deal. But Linus actually quotes this entire scripture, and it's just so moving. And then how does he end? He says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And you're like, wow. I mean, what a historic and great moment in TV history. But long before TV was imagined, it was a beautiful, inspired writing by Luke. And so I want to look here in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8. We'll start there. I want us again... I'm always trying to bring us some context. I'm trying to, to draw a picture mentally, a backdrop of what's happening at the time. I want us to almost try to put ourselves into the shoes of the individuals whom we'll read about. It reads, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be what? Afraid, which you'll see is a running theme in scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Have no fear. Come on. Why? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, say suddenly, Look at this. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, what did she do? She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, we're familiar with this portion of Scripture, right? But, but if we really can get ourselves into the minds and even the, the eyes of, of what was happening before these shepherds, it's truly awe-inspiring. It, it serves as God's birth announcement to the world made in the most unexpected and poetic way. I mean, suddenly, here they are. I want us to picture this, right? It's cold, it's dark, it's the desert. And suddenly, in the middle of a dark and ordinary night in Bethlehem, right, the countryside, an angel appears in the sky and then is joined by a sky full of angels. Can you picture this? Uh, the NLT actually says the armies of heaven appeared. Whew. Now, it's hard to imagine just how magnificent and, and bright and terrifying and glorious a sight this must have been. And I'm thinking of that sight, but then there's the sound. I mean, all together, these incredible angels are, angels are praising God and probably singing, right? They're declaring God as, you know, glory to God, and they're proclaiming peace on earth to all humanity. I mean, can you imagine being in that moment at that time? And I start asking questions because I always do. What language or what languages were they speaking at that time? Um, I mean, were they singing? And if they were singing, what kind of melody, what kind of harmony? I'm a musician, so I think, what key were they in? Was it major or was it minor? Because most of those Middle Eastern songs have a lot of minor. We were just at a Chaldean wedding on Friday, and there was a lot of minor going on. There was a lot of dancing going on. I'm like, what is up with white people? This is fun. I mean, like, I was having a blast at this, this wedding. It was so cool. But there's always that kind of minor feel, and I'm thinking, what, what did it sound like? What did it look like? How about this? How loud would it have been? Or, I thought about this, were they the only ones who heard it? Interesting question. I ask questions all the time. You know how I am. Again, this is before TV. This is before movies. This is before special effects. I mean, you know, I would say that even today, if a host of angels showed up in my backyard and started singing, I'd probably be like, whoa, right? But we've been so spoiled with special effects and things like that that we we can kind of lose how extraordinary this moment must have been. When I was reading this portion of scripture yesterday, what came to mind for me was the movie Back to the Future from 1985. Anyone seen that movie? I was 13 when I saw that movie the first time, and it blew my mind. It was absolutely amazing. And even if you watch it today, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a trilogy for those younger online I would say over Christmas break, check it out. My youngest, my 13-year-old, has in the last year, and he really thought it was a great, great movie. But I think about the fact that, that Marty McFly had to go from 1985, he ends up in 1955, but he has to help get his mom and dad together so he'll exist 30 years later. Does this make sense? Most of you are like, yeah, we know the story. But, but one of the scenes that really stuck out to me was when Marty snuck into his 30 years-to-be father's bedroom, and he was sleeping, 
And his dad was sleeping. I don't know if you remember, but he had this book or comic book next to him. And it was like this space Martian looking thing. And Marty actually puts headphones on him from a Walkman. Does anyone remember Walkmans? Does anyone remember cassettes? Okay, I'm not that old yet. Okay. Cassettes were like these, these, these rectangle device things that you could put into a tape player. In fact, you could, does anyone remember vinyl records? It's kind of making a comeback, right? My dad, um, he was showing me a couple of years ago, he had bought a record player in his whole system, and he was getting, like, all the deep purple and all this stuff on, on you know, record because it sounded so good. He's like, isn't that good? And I'm like, good stuff, Dad, you know? But it was. But we would even take albums, and we would, we would play the album, and we could record it on the cassette deck so we could take it with us. Come on, I even remember that. And then I remember on, my, on that same 13-year-old birthday, I got my first, we call them jam boxes, ghetto blasters. And it was dual cassette. Yeah. So you could take an original copy, put it in one side, a blank tape, nobody knows what that is anymore, and the other side, and you could record your mixtape, your greatest hits, right? Well, Marty McFly comes in, he puts the Walkman headphones onto George, who's sleeping. And then I love the panning. I, I love film. I don't know if you can tell this. I love film. I film myself. I have a videography company. And so I just love angles and different things like that. But they pan in just long enough, and he takes his tape out, and he stops just long enough so you can read Van Halen on there. Of course, in 85, I'm like, oh, dear God. He puts Van Halen there. He presses play. And the sweet, distorted, melodic sounds of Eddie Van Halen start playing. Now, George had never heard anything like this. Right, And so he springs out of his sleep to see, he didn't know it was Marty, but Marty's standing in front of him with a full hazmat suit that kind of looked like the character of the book he was just reading. And he says, I'm Darth Vader, something George didn't know about it, has a crazy voice. Why? He wanted them to ask the mother to the dance. Now, why do you tell that story? I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> no, I tell that story because... In 1955, they had never seen anything like we had in 1985. Let's flash back over 2,000 years ago to the Bethlehem countryside landscape at night. Now can you see when this happened to them in the sky with no TV, with no movies, with no special effects, how much this would have moved them? I want us to feel the feeling that they felt. But not only that... Something this grand, on this scale, with this announcement, you would expect that such a grand announcement will be made to important figures. The rich, the powerful, those with high social status. But no, it was the shepherds who received this message of peace, wholeness, and God's favor. The lowlifes, the stinky <laughs> shepherds. Come on, if you hang around, has anyone ever been on a farm? Yeah, it smells a lot different than when you're watching a movie. Let me just say that. (laughs) So I can't imagine the smell of all these herds and these guys who were like, they were in it, man. Like, they loved their sheep. Those sheep knew their voice. That's why Jesus could say, my sheep know my voice. Sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. Another shepherd could call the sheep, they wouldn't respond. But if you were a shepherd and it was your sheep, they would respond to you. So through the announcement, this is what really captivated me, is through the announcement to lowly shepherds, God once again demonstrates his ability to overturn our human expectations and plans. 
He's like, yeah, yeah, you may have expected it to be announced like this, but I went a different direction. Which brings to mind another question. Pastor, why do you always ask questions? Because I want you to think. Why were the shepherds chosen? Why? I mean, there's nothing really in Scripture that we could dig deep enough to say this is the exact reason why. But the first thing I thought about is perhaps they provided a connection to biblical history. The shepherds remind us that the patriarchs of Israel were also shepherds. You know, Abraham was a shepherd. Abraham was the original recipient of God's covenant that God would bless all nations of the world through him. And then this promise was carried on through Abraham's ancestors, Isaac, Jacob, and beyond. Even King David, who was Israel's greatest king, he was a shepherd as well. He was first a shepherd. That was his story. And so when you think about it, the shepherd represents the every man, the average Joe of that time. There's no sense of entitlement. There's really no pride other than maybe a personal pride you have in it. But as far as society is concerned, you're looked down upon as just a shepherd or just a carpenter. Come on. We can look down on people, right, based on what we think they are. But how many know what we do isn't who we are? We're children of God. And that's something that we see in the life. I'm getting a little excited here. That's something we see in the life of Jesus. He never called out the sin in someone, he called out the son. He wanted people to discover the truth of who they were. That's why he could say, go and sin no more. Go and stop living out a false identity or something you're not. I want to introduce yourself to the real self. Isn't that beautiful? And so God uses them, the shepherds, to introduce his Messiah in the midst of these humble circumstances. The second thing that I saw was that the shepherds also symbolize the future ministry and teaching of Jesus, right? Sheep might be lowly animals, but they were also very special animals to the Jewish culture. I mean, think about the Passover lamb. You know, once a year they would offer this Passover lamb. This is what an ancient Jew would do. It was the blood for the atonement of a person's sins. And each time it was done, this sacrifice was a reminder of the original Passover and the fact that God brought them out of bondage from Egypt. And then we have Jesus, the perfect picture, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's all this idea of sheep and lambs. And we know that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can experience true peace and the completeness of God's original creation. And so there's so many things that are wrapped up around this idea of being a shepherd. And so what I want to do today, through their eyes and kind of through their participation in the Christmas story, I want to look at several insights that they can teach us in our own intersection with God's peace. So number one, say number one. Peace comes in the midst of our storms. Peace comes in the midst of our storms. I was thinking about this. Last week, we talked about the fact of hope. And hope, by, by its very description, its very identity, is present in uncertainty. Like if you're certain about something and you've arrived at something, you don't need hope anymore. 
And so the takeaway was, oh, wow. So in the midst of adversity, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, hope's always present. Why? Because we always hope to get through to the other side. Well, I see peace as the same way. It's something that we can live in constantly, but I think it's something we become more aware of when chaos surrounds us, if we're open to it. Here's a question. Have you ever experienced a hurricane? You're like, nope, that's why I live in Michigan. (laughs) I have a lot of relatives who live in hurricane zones, and when they go, oh, a hurricane's coming, I'm like, yep, that's why I live in Michigan. I know, real, I know, real empathetic. I'm working on that. But, you know, because I have, you know, kids and grandkids and, and siblings and a mom and dad who live in these zones, when I hear about this, I'm more, you know, attentive. I'm paying more attention to what's going on. And what's interesting is, you know, if you haven't been in one, you've at least seen it on a radar, right? And you see those cyclones. It's like this circle of storm. But right in the middle, there's like this blank spot. What's it called? The eye of the storm. The eye of the storm. Wouldn't it be wild to have that pass by and to actually experience being in the eye in that moment? Because right there in the center of everything, right, there's stillness. Storm, chaos, all around there's complete stillness. In that space, the winds calm, the rains cease. There's like this pause on the vortex, right? But of course, it's temporary. It doesn't last. And then those winds, they start howling again, this time in the opposite direction. For me, again, flashback to movie ideas. It's kind of like those freeze frame moments. I even love sound, man. Sound design makes a movie, doesn't it? The music. You ever seen that where something happens? There's this commercial. I'm not going to get there anyway. I just, I just love how they can slow things down and speed ramp and move it and put the sounds in. But think about those freeze frame moments in a movie when everything slows down to one tiny moment of reality while life or chaos or catastrophe happens all around the character like a brief millisecond of clarity or pause. Like, and it almost stops and they see things clear and then back to the chaos. Come on, you've seen that in movies before. So here's the question. <laughs> how is your Christmas season going? <laughs> I mean, how does your Christmas season typically go, right? Doesn't it seem sometimes like there's so much chaos going on around us? If we were completely honest, we might choose words like busy, hectic, frantic. Maybe not all of us, but it's kind of the sense of what happens. I mean, I never watch TV with commercials. I hate it. I will pay extra for a service for no commercials. That's just how I am. But when you watch football, oh, I wish they were all good commercials, but they're not. Especially during Christmas, it's this constant onslaught of just, you need this. Your kids need this. Your grandkids, I'm like, oh, I mean, half the time I mute it. I can't do it. It's too much. It's too chaotic. I'm the kind of guy, I don't like to go to the mall, but my God, and, and during the holidays, uh-uh. Too much chaos surrounding you. And so maybe you're experiencing this chaos, this hectic, busy type of feel this year. Maybe for some of you, it's been all year long. And maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of peace. Or maybe it's something more. Maybe it's relational conflict, pressure at work. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're dealing with illness 
or pain in your body. You name it, we have plenty of options to choose from in 2023. Something to choose from. And for many of us, honestly, peace seems like a long way off. Now, it's a good idea, right? It's a nice thought for the holidays, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It sounds really Christmassy and really beautiful and really even religious. And it's something we long for. But I want to say this, if, if you're in a situation right now where you're not experiencing peace, wherever you find yourself today, let me encourage you that Jesus is present when the storms of life threaten our peace and our hope and our joy. I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to, because I have pastor next to my name and it's a Sunday morning. I truly believe that Jesus is our Emmanuel. God with us. He is there with us when love seems lost. He's there with us when the way forward is totally unclear. It's in these moments that God appears. And it's not like he's like, hey, I'm here. Sorry, I was gone for a while. I see it more as an unveiling. It's in these moments of chaos that we go, there you are. Why? Because we need peace in that moment. It's in this moment of chaos that the Christ child is born. This is when the angels show up. You know, you think again about the backdrop. I mean, how dark is the desert without lights? So when those angels showed up in the dead of night, when it was completely dark, how bright was that? But to me, it wasn't just a story of something that happened. It's a symbol of what was happening with Israel. In the middle of Israel's dark night of Roman oppression and centuries of suffering and wondering, where is God? When is this going to stop? No peace. Complete chaos. And then I think about Mary and Joseph in the story. In the middle of a world turned upside down for a young Jewish couple who have found themselves at the center of these cosmic events. I mean, they're hearing the story. They're, they're part of the story, part of the play that God is putting on to show the world that I am announcing peace and goodwill toward men. They're part of that, but at the same time, they're trying to navigate the normal life realities of just paying their dues by traveling by foot across the country to be counted by the government. That's the reason they were going to Bethlehem. On top of that, having to experience childbirth for the first time, far from home, without the support and care of the women and midwives who have already guided Mary through this painful process. And on top of that, they're being first-time parents. They've never experienced it before, Right? Not only with the joys and the wonder and the fear and the responsibility. Come on, parents. You remember that moment? Like, for me, I, I tell this story. Every child that was born, I just literally, like, as soon as it happened, I couldn't even see him. I was crying, like tears of joy. But there also was a little fear for the first one, right? By the fourth, you're like, yeah, they bumped their head. It's okay. It seems like a lot of blood's come out. Yeah, head wounds bleed a lot. It's okay, Right? But that first one, and even that second one, there's this mixture of joy and wonder and fear and responsibility. That's what Mary and Joseph were feeling. But on top of that, this was the Son of God. This was the Messiah. Can you feel maybe just a fraction of what they were feeling? 
But here's the thing. In all these circumstances, in all of these struggles, this is where God showed up. This is where God was revealed to them. I'm here, but now you're beginning to see. And this is where God continues to show up for us in our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, in our grief, in our loss, in our uncertainty. This is where God shows himself strong. And I don't know why it is, but it seems like, at least for me in my experience, it's not as easy to see God in the easy going times, but when times get hard and adversity is there, for some reason it seems like it's easy to go, and maybe it's that, you know, I've, I've heard preachers say sometimes the best prayer is help. <laughs> it's in those moments, right, where we really truly need peace. And I don't know every hardship that you're facing today, right? Every flinch of pain that you're feeling, but God does. And again, I'm not saying that because it's Sunday morning. It's something I should say. I truly believe that God is present and God knows what you're going through. And I believe he's not just there to spectate. He's there to participate. He wants to bring peace to calm your heart. What kind of peace? Peace that comes in the midst of our storms. Number two, Peace defies our circumstances. Peace defies our circumstances. Well, that's, that's great for you to say. That sounds nice, Pastor, you may be thinking, but you don't know how much it hurts. And you're right. And I'm sorry, I, I don't. I don't know what you're going through. I don't. I can only imagine how awful it is. I can only agree with how unfair it is. But let me encourage you that there is a peace that is deeper there is a peace that defies your circumstances. And sure, in the face of all that you're feeling and all that you've gone through, God's peace just doesn't make sense. But let me say this, it is real. I've experienced it myself. And it's not just real, it's healing. It's the thing that can guard your heart from continuing wounds. It's the thing that can protect your mind from the onslaught of anxiety. The Apostle Paul describes the process like this in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. Look at this, verse 4. He says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. And let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. I love this next line. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. We can say it like this. Be completely immersed in your connection with God every single day. Because that's what prayer is. It's communication. It's just sometimes, sometimes it's not communication and like, Lord, 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 right, dear Heavenly Father, all these things. I've learned the practice of being quiet, contemplative prayer, meditation, just listening. It's just knowing that I'm connected to something that's greater than me. It brings such peace. He says, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. I love that. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Let me encourage each of us today, no matter what we're facing, 
This process begins with us turning to God, it bringing our hurts and our, our questions and our doubts and our whys. You know, I don't know how at some point in my life I felt like maybe it was doubt and unbelief to have questions, but then I realized later that God wants us to ask questions. If you look at even the early you know, Jewish tradition, it was all about asking questions and talking things through. And I believe that God's okay with questions. Right? And so share those questions, those doubts, those whys, and those needs to him. Paul says it like this, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let me say this. I don't pretend to fully understand it. One of the most freeing things for me as a pastor was to be able to say, you know, I don't know. I don't understand it all. You know how freeing that is? When someone asks you a question, it doesn't mean that I won't dig and try to find an answer, but I won't have an answer to everything. That's why, you know, at one point before COVID, we would do this thing, and maybe we'll start it again, but we would have a Q&R at the end of a message so people could ask questions, and then we could have not answers, but responses. Because a lot of times, that's what it is. This is where I am in the journey. I'm trying to figure things out. And so I don't pretend to fully understand it, but I'm telling you, there is a power in prayer, and there's a transformation that grows from gratitude. Listen, it's not the power of getting what we want or convincing God to see things our way. (laughs) Come on. We can try, and he'll listen. But much more than that, the power of prayer happens in this experience of peace as it begins to shift our perspective. Romans 12, 2. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. This This perspective changes, and it finds an understanding that God is with us no matter what. At the end of the day, God loves you and God is with you. If you, can just, if you can just zero in on that, I'm telling you, other things will just begin to fall in place. Because it's really just an acknowledgement and acceptance that, guess what? He's got this. He can be trusted. How about he is enough? And that's the biggest problem I have with this season. If we turned it into this, I got to have and you need this And in order to be fulfilled and and full, you need these things. And I'm not against having things. I'm against things having us. But in the midst of that, sometimes we forget that God's enough. In fact, if I can have perfect peace, I'm being honest, I would take that over a million bucks. Now, if God is telling you and you want to give me a million bucks, that's cool. I'll receive it. Bless you. What I'm saying, though, is having perfect peace beats all the money in the world, beats all the status in the world. And let me clue you into something. You already have it. It's within you. And what's even better, it's a gift. You don't have to manufacture it. All you do with the gift is you receive it and you tear it open and you benefit from it. And it's a gift that God has given us because peace defies our circumstances. Number three, this is our final for today. You know, I'm Mr. One, two, three. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. It all come back, comes back to a person. Peace is a person. If you've gone here for any amount of time, you know who's the person. I knew Bruce would have the answer. Jesus is our peace. What did Paul say in Ephesians? For he himself is our peace. Whew. Just kind of, Think about that for a minute. And long before the arrival of Jesus on earth, the prophet Isaiah called Jesus 
the Prince of Peace. This is so cool. We were singing that song this morning, and I didn't even realize it was on the list. That's how, that's how good I am on the worship team. I don't know what we're playing. Anyway, I just told on myself. But when we sang the song, I'm thinking, oh, I worship you, Prince of Peace. Wow. The Prince of Peace. And I have, I have a whole, maybe we'll do that again. I did a whole uh, study on that, what that means. But look what Isaiah, Isaiah says here in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, here it is, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. But did you catch that? This child that is born, this son that is given to us, brings us the power and rule of his peace into our personal lives. He's the prince of peace. Like, that's how he rules. I mean, if you think about even how Jesus entered Jerusalem, remember when they were putting the branches down? I know we're not near Palm Sunday yet, but, but how many know what Jesus rode in on? A donkey. And sometimes we miss that. Because on the other side of town, historians say at the very same time, there was a procession that was leading Caesar in. And guess what Caesar was driving? Wow, 21st century. Guess what Caesar was riding? A war horse symbolizing power and authority. And Jesus rides in on a donkey. Why? It symbolizes being humble and bringing peace. Can't miss the symbolism. He's the prince of peace. He's the bringer of peace between us and God. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the giver of life. He is the embodiment of what the Hebrews would say, shalom. That's how they say peace. Shalom, shalom. The wholeness that we find in relationship with him. Why? Because peace is a person. Jesus is the God who has come to be with us. And so many times we have this idea that God comes and goes, comes and goes, depending on, you know, how we're acting and how we're doing. I said this before, that, that you know, we're not a hotel for God. If the maid doesn't come and clean it up, he's not going to leave. We're mobile homes. God lives within us. Everywhere we go, he goes. Even with the dirt and the grime and the issues. Why? Because he knows that you're better than that. He knows who you truly are. And the job of Holy Spirit is to, is to clue you in, to begin to reveal the true self that's within you, that's connected to God, that's wall-to-wall God inside. When we begin to see that, guess what? Then your actions will change. Your words will change. Who you are, right? How people see you. We can say it like this. You'll be reflecting the image of God. Why? Because you're made in God's image and likeness. It's so beautiful. I love this in Matthew 11 because Jesus is with us, but he gives us an invitation here. He offers us something during this Advent season and really always. He says in Matthew 11, starting verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Is that not an offer of peace? I just want you to let those words just wash over you for a minute. That Jesus is, is extending an invitation to you. Saying if you're feeling burned out and weary and there's chaos surrounding you, I give you an invite. Will you take my yoke upon you? I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And what's really cool is he wants to give us rest for our souls. Isn't that beautiful? And so in this second week of Advent, let me encourage you to look for the Prince of Peace, which, by the way, you don't have to look real far. It's within you. But look for that peace even when the wind blows, even when the storms swirl. Let me encourage you to come to him and worship him like the shepherds, even when we find ourselves in the darkness of night, right, those dark nights of the soul, when we find ourselves in the storms of life. I want to remind us to come to him because guess what? He's there and he's the Prince of Peace who is always with us. Will you stand with me? I pray that Jesus is your peace this week. That peace that guards your soul, guards your mind, the shalom that only he can bring. Paul says this in his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. The Lord of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for that peace that you've given us. And I know there's some of us here who are fine, we're, we're doing great. Maybe we can assess that within ourselves, but there's others who they feel like they're in the middle of life storms, they're in the middle of that dark night of the soul. And maybe there isn't peace. It just seems to be chaos and busyness, adversity, uncertainty. But I thank you that in the midst of those times, that's the place where you reveal yourself. I want you to imagine that Jesus is there right now in the midst of that storm you're going through, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that, the midst of that loss, saying, I'm here. We're going through this together. That's how much Jesus loves us. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. It's a gift. And so is peace. It's mine. I receive it. I open it. I embrace it. I own it. It's mine. And Holy Spirit, I give you free reign in my heart. If there's anything that you see that I don't see, a blind spot, reveal that to me and reveal truth in the midst of that lie that I'm believing. And Jesus, I invite you to be my healing, to be my deliverance, to be my salvation. 
take a deep breath. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and slow down, don't we? I'm talking to myself. Thank you for your peace, Lord. It surpasses all understanding. We trust you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Did you receive that this morning? Say, Jesus is my peace. It's a gift. So we have hope and peace, don't we? Awesome. Next week, we're going to get into joy. How many know we can use a little joy? This is supposed to be a joyous season. But the look on some people's faces, they're like my dad used to say, look like you've been sucking on lemons, right? But the truth is we can have that hope, that peace, that joy, and that love because they're gifts. They're already given to us. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.